You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 277. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is sponsored by My Obsession, which you may have heard me speak about or you may have seen if you've done any of my live classes or workshops online. It is for Sigmatic. I love their cacao mixes and coffee mixes. They have superfoods built into these mixes. You just pour hot water and the mixes together and you automatically have a frothy beverage that tastes delicious, whether you're into tea or like I am personally making my own mochas. And on that note, for anyone that is also into the mushroom coffee with cordyceps plus the hot cacao mix, that's my personal combination. They have a mocha mix, which I've just received and truly love. It actually makes it so much simpler to drink my mochas. I only need one packet per drink. It's done for me, basically. They've already mixed it together. I need no sugar, no coffee mixes like, you know, milk or anything like that to add to it. It is delicious, and I drink about four to five of these puppies a day. No joke, but thankfully, there's half the caffeine of regular coffee, and there's no jitters, crash, or stomach issues. So that's why I can honestly consume so much, and I just deeply, deeply love it. It is part of what makes me excited to wake up and align in the morning. If you want to try this yourself, head over to foursigmatic.com lively, and if you want to place an order, get 15% off, which is awesome, by using the code lively at checkout. I hope you guys love it as much as I do. Now let's move on. Here I am in Sydney getting ready for C-School, which is coming up this June. If you still want to come, you still can. The tickets are available over at C-Consciousness, cschool.io. I'm so excited to meet everyone in person and work with everyone on the summation of what has been the last two years of my life. And actually, that's kind of a funny segue to today's episode, which is all about my two-year anniversary of selling my home and furniture and starting on this unending trip around the world, which has landed me for at least the moment, this moment in time here in Sydney. So for those that are new to the show, you may actually have joined while I've been on some leg of this journey, whether it's since December, if you can came in in that period of time. You've actually known me as someone who has recently moved to Sydney. But if you've been following longer, back, 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 depending on how far you go back with me in the show, you'll get all the way back to the days where I was a jewelry designer with two dogs, a house in Austin or Chicago or Ann Arbor, depending on, again, when you joined. So there's been a long journey. And the show has thankfully flowed with me. Thank God I picked the name The Lively Show because, my goodness, there's been so many different concepts shared on the show. It's wonderful that the topics themselves have not yet defined the show. Lively is a pretty open-ended term, which happens to relate actually to my name and also to my personality so well. So thankfully, the show has never become too boxed in by anything. And you guys have stuck around if you've stuck around through this whole two years with me. Man, we have covered a lot of ground. And forget about it. If you start from the beginning of the show in 2014, oh my goodness, have we gone crazy far from where we began. It's truly amazing. But I just want to focus on the last two years. I recently did a little Instagram story sharing some of the highlights from the last two years, scrolling through my pictures on my phone and sharing them there. And it was really cool to see the response that everyone gave to the experiences. And I just want to say, as I share this up front, that I have to look at this because of all my journey and experience and perspective now on things. And I have to say, 
as a soul thinking about this life experience I'm having. Now, I've come to a point where I now believe personally in many lifetimes. So I don't think this is the only one I nor anyone else on this planet have had. Uh, I guess maybe it might be the first lifetime for some people, but I definitely doubt that that's personally, after all the exploration I've done, the reality for most of us. And what is cool to me about my own journey in this life experience is just lively is that I was born in Ohio. I don't ever really talk about the Ohio part because I moved when I was about seven and a half or eight years old. I moved to Michigan and I grew up there. So then that's usually where I reference if people ask where I'm from. It's either that or Chicago or, you know, Ann Arbor, where I went to school in Michigan. But really, I was born in Dayton or Kettering, Ohio, like really small town with a family that my parents went to school, grew up near each other, went to the same schools, didn't know each other very closely at that time, but then got married later. And they had me, I was the first of three kids. I'm the only daughter and the oldest one. And then eventually I moved to Michigan. And I don't know, I just looking at the stories as I was sharing them about what's unfolded, even just in the last years of my life, it's truly amazing. But I also love that I'm different in one very big way. And it's the way that everyone can be different themselves and live their own story. So Many people I can look at online and go, well, they're really beautiful and exceptionally, you know, whatever. Like Gary Vaynerchuk is like such a personality. And, you know, I don't know. I can think of like supermodels or Instagram models. They're super pretty and they're just like this rare breed, you know. And I was looking at myself in these pictures and I'm not saying anything negative at all towards myself. But what I love is that truly what makes me unique is the fact that I listened to my intuition one step at a time, honestly, far before these last two years. But obviously, these last two years have led to a new level of that following of that intuition, which has led to a whole new level of exploration and journey. But it really deeply started in my early 20s, right when I graduated college, miserable, living in a life in a society that was breeding me to work hard, play hard. And if I had all the toys and the success and the money that I got from the business school that was super competitive and super into what's your signing bonus and what are your salaries and all that stuff. And if I got all that stuff, I'd be happy. And I was already miserable in college trying to get to that you know, job or whatever. And I cut through the chase. I cut through and just saw, you know what? I could play the rest of these moves out kind of like a chessboard. I'm not a chess player, but I looked at it and I said, I know this game ends because this is how it's right now. It's not going to change. It's just going to keep escalating. I'm just going to keep punting this goal line down the field, but it's always going to be ahead of me. And it's just going to keep escalating. It's going to be this internship to that first job, to that promotion, blah, 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 blah. So I recognized that I deeply wanted to be fulfilled and I deeply wasn't fulfilled in the way that I was taught at that moment to be fulfilled. And so that's where my journey began. And it took about 10 years from that realization to get to the full-fledged living my fullest. And that was right up to my divorce, actually. And that was such a beautiful time because it was step by step plodding along and that was the effort gets you results era of my life because I was taught by my society and all the personal development that I was attracting or attracted to at the time that told me when you work hard you get the results it's not about thinking about things it's about doing things and so that was my doing era 
And what I did was I moved to Chicago from graduation with $700 in the bank account. I had saved up since I was 15. I had started my first jewelry business with a $5 bag of beads sitting at a pool, just making them for myself. No big deal. Like any 15-year-old would be, you know, at some point, they probably made jewelry for themselves. I was one of those people. And in that moment, someone offered to buy the bracelets I was making. So I sold about six of them for $5, made $30 after like five or six hours at the pool. And that was the beginning of my jewelry company. I had over the course of high school, sold to different stores and then did it as a side gig to pay some, you know, lifestyle money in college and then graduated from the University of Michigan Business School and decided with the $700 I'd saved from the jewelry as a part-time gig in school to move to Chicago and start it. Not because I wanted to be a jewelry mogul, though in my application to school, that's what I said. It was actually during my business school experience that I realized, well, that's just going to make me unhappy, just like the rest of this path. And it's so wise, I think, at the time looking back on it, because Abraham says the happy ending does not come from a journey that's unhappy in the beginning. Like it's not like an unhappy journey does not lead to a happy ending. They say a happy ending is from a happy journey. I didn't know Abraham at all. I didn't know that work that was not what I was attracting at the time, but I had enough foresight, I guess, to see that the unhappiness I had was just going to continue if I kept doing it in the same way. So I wanted to find that other way of living. I explored that as I started my jewelry company simply because I knew myself, know thyself. I knew I was a people pleaser. And if I had started up that ladder, that corporate ladder, I would want to appease and get the approval and succeed at that ladder. And I would not help myself, first and foremost, live a different life, but then also turn around and help others do the same. I figured other people have to be struggling with this too, and I would rather help them figure that out than do anything else. So the jewelry company was my self-employed day job. Many people that have heard this story before, sorry, this is kind of a recap, and I did not plan to be honest. This is not in my notes, but just as giving context to what led up to the last two years, and then I'll get into the last years and looking back on it, what I've found from it all, from a greater perspective than where I've ever been before this present moment in this moment in time. But that jewelry company was such a blessing because it gave me the ability to be autonomous and independent and spend my time the way I wanted. Now the trade-off, the opportunity cost, using an economics term, was that I wasn't making much money. It was started the year before the big recession in the US. And I thank God graduated in 07 and got to start my jewelry company at the end of 07 through 08. Because once end of 08, 09 hit, that was like when all the stores that I was selling to, a lot of them closed down. The whole retail scene completely went to a halt. And in that, I flowed through following intuition. Again, it was following this guidance of what I felt. And at the time, it was not clear. It was not full letters to your intuition by any means. It was just a general guidance, a general knowing, a general direction I was going in. It wasn't until my mid-20s that I realized I could write and receive answers from my inner being. Now, people have asked recently, you know, is it Joe? Is it intuition? Is it your soul? What is it? You know what I've realized? I don't know if it's a guide. I don't know if it's intuition. I don't know if it's my soul. I've now found a word for it though, which I'll call inner voice. So whatever it is, if it's a guide, if it's myself, if it's my highest self, if it's an angel, I don't know what it is, but I know it is peaceful, honest, 
true and always aligned. So for me, that voice is worth following. And once I discovered that I could ask and receive and have an actual communication, things really sped up from there. So in the beginning, I didn't even, I wasn't even aware. Like I'm telling you guys now, so you now at least have the awareness that you can ask and receive answers. And that is a huge leg up compared to where I was in my early first half of the 20s. But I had a general guidance and then I started having communication. And once I had that communication, things quickly unfolded. So the jewelry company became, you know, a thing I could do while I started a blog to help people that way. That was me also transitioning to selling my jewelry online during the recession, which was actually putting all of my effort online as a blogger to help people make under their lives, as my original blog was called, or to sell the jewelry and market it to people that were also reading blogs online for the first time. And that was a beautiful unfolding that helped me evolve through the recession so well because the margins on retail versus wholesale were better. So I didn't need to have as big of the wholesale orders if I could get more online customers. So I evolved from there, evolved the jewelry company to be a full-on accessory company, I buy covers, tote bags. Some of you guys actually that are listening, I still get emails and pictures of jewelry and bags you guys still own from those days of my life. And I just appreciate you so much for being there for me and sticking around this long is truly incredible because where I am now is obviously, as you guys know that have seen this, not where I began. But all of this communication in my mid-20s to my inner voice and being able to follow it more diligently and specifically, instead of just a general direction, it became more clear what to do next. And as I kept doing that, that all led up to me ending my previous big, big relationship, obviously my marriage, and then having a beautiful unfolding with that ending very beautifully at a peak in my career. That was the 10 years later after I, you know, knew what I wanted to do and was fully feeling like I lived it. I had Liz Gilbert on the show, which was a huge moment of episode 100 of the show. It's just the seminal peak experience. And in that aligned state, the next evolution was beyond the relationship. And unfolded because of that alignment and a beautiful unfolding, which is great for him as well. And then it was kind of this quick six months of transition to living on my own, finishing the decorating of my home, and then literally getting an offer to sell the house and all the furniture in it the week before I left on a trip. You guys, many of you know this story, but that's what was two years ago. So two years ago, I was six months out of a marriage. I had a dog, one of the other dogs, Franklin, is still with my former partner, and Ellie was with me at the time, who now lovingly is having the best life ever in the next door neighbor's house next to the house that I used to own. And once that house offer to buy the house and all the furniture cash offer the week before I left on a trip to Europe. That was huge. And you guys have seen that, especially if you've listened to A Lively Adventure, which you're welcome to go over and listen to the more details of like the first year and a half of that journey as I was still traveling. That was amazing. And also, I called it like going from your master's degree to the PhD of inner voice, because the inner voice before I was using to guide to what my mind wanted. So I'd have a vision for what I wanted my life to be like. And where that vision came from, probably a mix of maybe inner voice and ego or societal expectations up to that point of the house offer. But after that, when I heard and I wrote to my inner voice about should I sell the house, I heard yes, or I thought I heard yes, and so I asked why. Because sometimes if you don't know if yes or no is right, 
clarify. So I asked, why would I want to do that? And I heard, because you want a life you never imagined before. Now, like I said, just imagine me sitting in a house, a cute little house in Ann Arbor, Michigan, ready to have kids because my timeline said so, because I was American and I was 30. And that was what I as just lively wanted to do. It's really no more than, yeah, just seeing what others typically do and assuming that that would be right for me. That was literally how I would look back on just like myself or that part of me at the time. And I'm glad I had the courage to really follow the intuition and the alignment and the joy of letting that go away. But then, you know, having those, I don't know, I literally in Austin had a picket fence. Like I was like, I don't know, it's just so funny to go from that me that loved all of the home and cozy and family and dogs and everything rooted and traveling was kind of nice sometimes sort of, but yes, I'd rather have my home than anything else to go. All right, I'm going to sell it all and I have no idea where I'm going to go for how long or where I'll end up. And to go one day at a time through that journey, not knowing when, if ever it would end, because I was no longer going to use my mind to determine the outcome. I was going to listen to the inner voice inside of me and follow it one moment at a time. And that was totally flow and also incredibly challenging for my ego because the ego is the thing that likes to control and decide and feel safe by deciding what it wants and going to get it rather than allowing things to unfold in an open-ended way that leaves you wondering or wanting more but you don't really know what's around the corner. So as I look at the places I've been, it's truly amazing. Obviously, lots of time in Europe and Lisbon became this place I didn't even honestly knew existed in the world and became my favorite place on earth. Then I went to Ghana to see the first ribbon cutting for our first Pencils of Promise school, which was just incredible. And as I look back on that, I have to say... Again, a girl born in Ohio that started a jewelry company with $700 in the bank account funded a school. Not only that, now we've actually funded three schools. And the thing about those pictures when I look back up them is that the acne was pretty bad at that point in my journey. And I don't know why, but there's something about the fact that that was there, especially there at that period of time that people could look at this girl. I don't even know why that's exactly so poignant to me, but it is so indicative that like anybody can do this. This doesn't have to be the Instagram model. And I'm not saying I'm ugly by any means, but I don't know. There's just something so normal about myself. The only difference is I listen and ask questions and have the courage or have had the consistent courage to follow the answers I hear. And if you want to know how to do this, because I keep mentioning it, but not, you know, going into the details, go over to JessLively.com slash intuition. I explain how you can do this yourself. Or if you go to JessLively.com slash shop, we now have an intuition intensive where I walk a dozen or more people through this process themselves. And I ask the questions and they do the listening from themselves. So that's really powerful if you're unfamiliar with how to do this yourself and you want to see other people, not just me, do it. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of people out there I look at in the online world and I'm like, well, of course they can do it. And of course that person can do it. They have like 100,000 Instagram followers or they have, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, I just look at myself and I'm like, man, I think even the people at Ingana that were you know, the people that are running the school were like, this, this girl's the one that... <laughs> 
funded the school. And it's not me, really. It's just the 10% of the revenue that I give from this company that basically you guys, thank you for helping to build this school. But I think they looked at me and they were surprised too. And even when I showed my parents, I think they were surprised. I think we're all surprised. And at the same time, it just is a testament to what is possible. And I love that looking back on it now, my hope is that I can show what is possible without the misnomer, the misleading feeling like, oh, but she had it different. Because everyone's got it different in some way. But you got to work with what you got. And you, at least knowingly in this conscious body, even if your soul may have picked the body and the circumstances you were born into, <laughs> I, you know, that's all for a deeper discussion. But, but just you're dealing with what you got. But if you follow what you have inside of you, there is no telling what you can do. Because I started donating, for example, with Pencils of Promise when I was in debt. I had business debt as I was working on creating Life with Intention online. And I knew deep down, again, intuitive decision, personal alignment is most important in that. But for me, that was my kind of equivalent to my master's degree was spending those 14 months to create what I knew would later become one of the most powerful courses. And it did. It helped a thousand people or more around the world change their lives. It was the precursor to flow with intention. And I knew that that time was necessary. And that credit line allowed me to spend that time doing that instead of business coaching and being distracted. And I had that alignment. And so it was easy to evolve out of as well. It wasn't a permanent strike against me. It wasn't a misaligned spending. It was totally aligned for me. But the point of that time to start giving then and build the school, it felt almost impossible because my mind had this story that I wouldn't be one of those people. And you might be hearing a story in you that says you can't be whatever the story is that you can't be. Please recognize it's simply a story. And if it is truly meant in your deepest part of yourself to be, listening to the inner voice inside of you will lead you to it. You do not need to fear. You do not need to deny your deepest desires. They're in you for a reason and all will be well. But for me at that time, that was a really big leap of faith. And to see that happen in this last year's is one of the seminal moments and kind of the oh, like really big reflection points. Another big reflection point is my journey with the period. Oh my goodness. If you're a man listening to this, you've probably been like, wow, I've never listened to a show where she mentions her period so much or the lack thereof. But for those who are new, just so you know, I went for 31 years without a normal period, never had one, and then went on the birth control pill around 18 years old, having never had a normal natural period. That birth control 10 years of having that on and off wasn't an actual period as you like look into all of that journey for natural hormone health and everything. It's breakthrough bleeding, but it's not the same as an ovulation. And so once I found Elisa Vitti, thank you, The Lively Show, and everybody who's watched me go through that journey, obviously, as I traveled, that ability to eat functional foods at certain times of the cycle and all that kind of stuff went out the window. And I truly went through a whole wild journey of avoiding certain foods and then bringing those back through undoing subconscious beliefs around them and then the inevitable acne, which popped up. And by the way, can I say to the acne, God, does everyone know that's the other part of the PCOS story. By the way, also for the period, now I get them every month, RTT, Rapid Transformational Therapy, from that point forward, 
after I did that, things really evened out. It was truly in the subconscious all along. And once I unearthed the very bizarre and unnecessary subconscious beliefs that were creating it from my very young age, it has regulated to the point where it's super normal. But the acne was one of the things that also came along with the natural ovulation. And through different things like a lot of harsh products like benzoyl peroxide, I was able to get it really pretty consistently under control. But then the evolution and desire to have it without, to not use harsh products on my skin became my new desire. So I got clear skin with the harsh products, but then I didn't want to have to avoid any foods. I didn't want to have to use any harsh acne products on it. So I stopped doing that and again had flare-ups until like a week or two ago, I finally what do I do? What have I done this entire episode? Tell you to listen to your inner being. What have I not done? I haven't asked my inner voice what it thinks about the acne. Isn't that ironic? I go around the world to all these specialists and I talk about it all day long, but do I actually ask my inner voice about it? No, not until recently. And guess what I heard? This answer rocked my world. I was in the bathroom and it wasn't like writing a letter to myself. It was just literally I asked in my head and I heard the response. What should I do with the acne? I heard, let the human have its experience. Boom. Mic drop. Let the human have its experience. It didn't say to accept it. It didn't say to love it. It didn't say to hate it. It didn't say to take a new product. It didn't say to go ask so-and-so. It didn't say anything at all one way or another. It didn't say it'll go away. It didn't say it'll always stay. It just said, let the human have its experience, which literally left me speechless because no matter what I'm experiencing, it was telling me to allow it, to let it be there, whether it's there or not. And then I started to question on a much bigger scale why I had been telling myself for the last two years as I had it, that it was wrong. Why is there a societal story that spots on your face are wrong. Isn't that interesting? I felt like I had something wrong with me for two years because that's not what most people have on their face and everybody loves and appreciates clear skin. And I'm not saying I don't love and appreciate clear skin by any means, but I felt wrong for not having clear skin. I felt like there was something wrong. I felt like there was a problem. I was telling myself a story that made it so. And when I heard, let the human have its experience, I could have the experience as a human of having that be an actual story, or I could just stop telling that story and just accept whether it's there or not there or whatever I'm feeling about it, whatever the emotion is to just allow it to be instead of trying to change. And it's fascinating. I don't know what will happen. My skin has cleared up. I'm not sure now that I've had a more regular cycle, I think the acne may be connected to my cycle. But I'm not trying to make that story either. So I'm just kind of watching and observing. But also in this awareness that whatever it is, it is. And it doesn't mean that there's a problem. It's so wild to me to let go of that story because it was something my ego held on to and made such an ordeal out of for so very, very long. Another thing that's really sticking out in my mind on this journey, which just again, is about questioning the stories our society tells. I guess I kind of questioned, you know, the work hard, play hard mentality in my early 20s. Well, now I guess I've just kind of evolved that questioning and exploration and sometimes rebellion in a way to my eyesight. So when people see blurry, usually they go to an eye doctor and they get prescription lenses or contacts. And I did that for myself for 20 years. wore contacts every day since seventh grade. And never wore my glasses 
except to take them on and off before bed. And now, since August of last year, starting in New York City of all the places, I haven't been wearing them. I put on glasses maybe once or twice a week, maybe for a few minutes, but that's it. And I've realized because I don't drive, if I had to drive, I would need glasses for that. But other than that, I can even go to a movie. I guess that's like sometimes like the one time a week, if I go actually see a movie in the dark in a movie theater, it is blurry. But I went from a negative four prescription, which is pretty strong. It's a very significant, but not the worst prescription out there. I went from that to now, if I take a deep breath and I'm in bright sunlight and I'm in a calm, conscious state of mind, I can see 2020. It's not consistently 2020. It's not 2020 in the dark. It's not 2020 with lamps on at nighttime. It's not always 2020 indoors, even in kind of ambient light. But if I'm in bright light, I'm in a calm state of mind. I close my eyes. I take a deep breath and I open them. I can see about 20% of the time in 2020 vision. I now know unequivocally that your eyesight is not a permanent state of blur because I used to think it was because that was my experience before going without glasses for the last eight months. And interestingly, it wasn't because of exercises. Sometimes people ask me, what eye exercise are you doing? Zero. I'm not trying to squint. I'm not trying to move my muscles in any other way than breathing. That's it, just inhaling. And what I notice is sometimes when these eyes do see 2020, I am now observing that my left eye especially, I think, is moving in a different way than in its normal, natural state. So whether that means that it's just a strain, sort of, or actually just I've become accustomed to pushing it in a different direction that brings on the blur, I'm not quite sure. But I can tell you that the biggest leaps have come in my vision and the clarity to get to 2020 like I am now in bright light. So for example, like on a walk, I can see billboards, I can see fine print far away, I can see wildly more. It's ridiculous. I, I wish I could show other people with eye prescriptions the contrast of my eyes from before to even now. Now I think that they're naturally at a pretty much like a negative two on a day-to-day basis, but then the 2020 clicks in when I'm in the walks. So it's really beautiful for me to go on sight walks, basically. That and the PCOS were things that I was told, you have to have contacts and glasses. There's no other choice. You just go into that and that's your only choice. You're never going to see clearer. It's possibly just going to get worse. And PCOS, I was told when I was 18 to just go on the pill and that when I wanted to have kids, I just have to have more medicine. That's not true either. At 31, I got my very first period of my entire life naturally on my own. And now it's actually regular at 33. So these medical, they're not miracles. They're just the constant realignment to what's true for me inside of me and the ability to question the status quo of what I'm told I'm capable of. And I love it because what I'm showing is that this isn't about cancer. This isn't about glaucoma. This isn't about something horrible or life-threatening. These are things so many people have and aren't really questioning that they can get rid of them. And I think that that has been on my awareness about this journey is that I'm not an extreme case of really anything. I am just an extreme case of following my inner being. That's the big extreme case about me. But I'm not, you know, curing myself of a rare disease and I'm not doing anything that 
other people aren't capable of doing with their own inner guidance. And I'm showing that it doesn't need to be these extremities that create results for people. And I think I started to realize I don't want to have to wait to use all this consciousness stuff I'm learning about and all this quantum mechanics and this healing and stuff. If it's possible, I decided, let me try it on the things I have. Let me not have to manifest something worse in order to get better. Let me see if I can take what I already have. and Most people may also have and see if I can get rid of it. Because why have these issues if we don't need to? So again, I have no idea if your inner being is calling you to any of this stuff, or maybe it's something different for you. I know for someone in flow with intention, they got rid of Crohn's disease. They reversed that in one RTT session, which is incredible. Now she's becoming an RTT therapist herself so that she can help others because that was such a profound shift for her. So I'm not sure in your life what you're putting up with that you just haven't questioned if it's necessary. And all possibility lies in the potential that it's not necessary to be in your life and weird enough as it sounds may not have a root in an actual physical problem. It may be a physical manifestation of an emotional and psychological issue that is in the subconscious and one's access can be reversed through the subconscious. That's what I found. It wasn't through exercises and food that I got the period and the eyesight. It was through RTT and through consciousness and through all of these modalities that tap into the subconscious that have been shifting the mindsets that then enabled those physical symptoms to shift. So as I unshifted what was blocking it emotionally, the physical blocks were moved as well. In addition, of course, you can think about this last two years, exploring the law of attraction and alignment before action. Oh my goodness. You guys have heard me talk about that in season four of the show. For the last year, that is basically all you've heard me talk about. And it is amazing. And I can tell you after the last two years of thinking about this stuff more than anything else, literally on the planet, it works. It truly does. And I've given you (laughs) dozens of episodes on this show about exactly what this is, not just from the woo-woo, though I love a good woo-woo, you know, also to the science and the quantum and the other aspects that really break this down in a non-weird way for you. It works. I have tried it on so many different subjects and have yet to see it fail. It is akin to gravity. And when you start looking at it like that, it's affecting you whether you're deliberately aware of it or not. Just like gravity is, you know, little kids don't take gravity school. They don't take a class to learn how gravity works. They're just in an environment that has gravity and they're responding to it accordingly. But when you want to manipulate gravity very specifically, for example, you want to jump out of a plane in a parachute or you want to fly a plane and defy gravity in its typical sense, you need to understand the workings of it to get a deliberate result like that that's beyond just sitting on the ground, right? Because that's the natural state that gravity is going to give you. Well, law of attraction can be used more deliberately than most people are using. It's happening to them whether they know it or not, and their beliefs are really creating their reality. So whether they think the law of attraction works or not, they're going to create that truth. But if they think it doesn't work, they're creating a reality that gives them different results on different subjects. So it's so mishmash. It's like a bunch of waves crashing together that there's no regularity, so they don't see the pattern in it. So that's why they think it doesn't work, is because they're creating an irregular pattern that's hard to see it as the pattern that it is because they believe there is no 
law of attraction. So they create a pattern of chaos that would never indicate there is a law of attraction because it seems chaotic. But if you can get consistent, if you can start to focus on your emotions and your alignment in a consistent manner, you will start to see just like waves starting to head into shore. In the middle of the ocean, it looks very chaotic. It doesn't look like there's too many waves that are in a consistent fashion. But if you get to the beach and you watch the waves roll in, they're typically one at a time. That's how surfers, you know, they wait for this wave or the next wave. They watch them come in because they start to iron out. They start to even out into a regular flow. And in that case, it's like those that have created and cultivated that alignment and that awareness and the energy within themselves, they will see it far more clearly. So they'll believe it works because they're seeing a much more ordered and systematic approach to their experiences because their emotions are more ordered and systematic and they're more aware. So again, law of attraction is where for everyone it's just and you are getting what you believe about it so if you think it's chaotic and it's not ordered you'll see that in your life and if you believe it is ordered you'll see that in your life because you're focused in that direction that has been amazing and has given me the complete time money and freedom abundance and it was cool because I didn't expect time to be one of those things that was something I could feel scarce or not about because money, different people have different amounts of money, right? That's clear. But when you look at time, so many even very wealthy people have time consciousness and time scarcity that I believed, you know, because the biggest thing, what do you hear, especially the rich people say, the time's the most precious commodity. And the only thing they can't get back or they can't get more of is time. There's only 24 hours in a day, seven days a week. And what's interesting is as I unwound my conceptions around time. And I started to look at it, not in a scarce mindset, but in the present moment mindset. There's always the now. There's always enough now. There's always now. And when you get out of fearing the future or regretting the past, and you actually dial into the alignment of this very moment, there's always enough. There's exactly enough because you're alive right now. So there is. You're just telling a story that says it isn't. And it's as simple as undoing the story to undo the belief of scarcity within it. It's truly the ability to escape into the mind that takes you out of the present moment that makes you. So the mind is the part of us that believes is telling the story. The stories all live in the mind. And so the stories of the mind say there's not enough time because you're living in the mind. And when you get out of the mind, you get into your consciousness and into the now, there's always the now. There's more than enough now. It's just when you get into the mind and project into the future or to the past that you fall out of alignment with the now and then you never have enough. That and exploring that most recently was so interesting. In the last few weeks, I uncovered a subconscious pattern in a recent kinesiology session about loneliness that I have been telling since I was one years old. my I did not remember the belief or the experience that had created this at one years old. However, a memory that my dad told me when I was young actually had to do with everything that it had to do with that first story. So basically when I was one years old, I asked my mom later, was that when I was one? And it turns out it was. They went on a golfing outing with my aunt and uncle and left me with a babysitter who left me in the crib while she had a party at my parents' house. And they ignored me. They had the music on loud and were partying in the other room. And they had every single stuffed animal and toy that I owned in the crib with me. And my parents came home early. The kids all ran when they found my parents came home and the babysitter got in like mega trouble because I was like bawling my eyes out with every toy, but no one there for me. And I guess 
I'm assuming, I don't know, but I'm guessing that's where this loneliness vibration kicked in. But that played out in my early years when I moved to Michigan and also played out here in Australia too. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm on the other side of the world. I'm going to be alone if I alone and that's bad. And once I got rid of that vibration a few weeks ago, I've been alone for a very long time. Basically, for most of the week or a week and a half, I'm not even sure the time now of it, but I had to face the fear of too much time. And most people never get to an experience like that because their lifestyles and their inner beings don't lead them to this. But I was recognizing for myself back years ago, four years ago, when I had the show, you know, early days, I remember scheduling everything in my calendar. And my calendar, I I felt was kind of a badge of honor to have all the color-coded Google Calendar slots filled in through the five days a week. I love to see that. And I felt very good or successful as a human (laughs) to have that. And now I was looking at a week where there's no plans on the evenings and the daytime had like three or four things in it that were like little hour long things. It was like really nothing. And that was a new level of fear. Now, some people might look at that and be like, thank God, the people that have kids are like, I would love to have that schedule for a week. Yeah, I can totally see if I had a lifestyle like that too, I would be looking at that in glee. But when I was looking at that without anyone in my life, that was a scary thing. And then I realized and got to stretch out the present moment and realize that it's okay and I can go to bed and I can wake up. Like the present moment can include naps. Some of the naps are in the afternoon and some of them are actually naps that are really long. They're like full night sleeps and it's still the now. And I used to be afraid of avoiding all that time to myself. What if I'm alone for that long? I need a partner so I'm not alone for that long. I love people, I'm an extrovert, blah, blah, blah. The stories I told, oh my goodness. But as I've just watched it, I'm like, oh, it's just the now and I'm fine now. And I'm fine now, and I'm fine now, and I'm fine, and you know, and then it goes three days go by, and I'm still fine, and I'm still fine, and it was fine. It wasn't normal. I remember the bartender who was, you know, I was paying the bill for my dinner at the cafe, and it switches over to a restaurant at night. So I was paying the bill to the person at the restaurant slash bar, whatever, and paying him. And he goes, you know, what do you do for fun? And I was like, Thinking back to other things I had done at other times, but lately I've been spending a lot of time alone and just being in the present moment. And I guess you could call it meditating, but it's I look at it more as like even more relaxed than that. It's not quite sleeping, but it doesn't seem as formal as meditation. And I realize this is pretty weird. Most people go off into like the boonies and, you know, the Himalayas or some mountain by the river or the Amazon. I have all these friends going on these other places. And here I am in Sydney just spending a lot of time alone and like going inward. But yeah, so anyways, this is a really long and unexpected episode. I hope you're enjoying this. This is <laughs> the new version of Jess at the moment that two years later, I'm looking at such different things than what I used to. Because for a while, I studied thought and mind mechanics, which took me into quantum mechanics, neurology and consciousness. And that's now brought about C-School, which I'm super excited about sharing all of that with people because it's brought me so far. And also, can I also mention flow with intention showed up in this period of my life and everything. But really, all of this is to say, and you kind of am getting a a hint or a flavor of where I'm at right now, which is going beyond knowledge and thought and entering deep experience. So for most of these two years, I studied and I went to conferences and I met people and I learned things. 
And while I love that journey and that experience of learning and knowing more, it was knowing in an information sense. It was knowing in an intelligence sense. And while that's cool, what ended up emerging was the desire to go beyond knowledge and intelligence alone, not to just regurgitate information shared by others, which is what most humans on the planet are doing right now. Most people that are considered intelligent have just memorized more information than other humans and are regurgitating it faster, quicker, in a more unique pattern than other humans. And that's considered smart. And computers now are getting very good at this and will easily outstrip a human ability to do so. So to be intelligent in that way is truly not very interesting to me anymore because the computers are going to do it far better than us very quickly. So that's kind of like already done. And it's not that creative. It's not that interesting to me to know what someone's experienced or to know about the concepts of these things. What I ended up realizing is that there's far more beyond the mind itself, and I want to experience what that is. So in a few weeks, I'll be telling you more about this, but that's really where the last two years have brought me to, is wanting to experience so much that I've read about. Instead of just reading about it, I want to experience it. And what I think my inner voice was telling me two years ago was when it said you want a life you never imagined before. It wasn't just talking about living in Sydney and I never imagined that and I would have traveled for a few years and all this stuff. I don't think it was just talking about a life that is similar in that I still live in a, a beautiful place, but kind of not that different than before, like in a lot of ways. I don't have a dog. She's now lovingly in her new family, um, still single. So that's, you know, there, but like, I think it meant a far more profound shift. And I'm very curious to see what happens with it. And I don't know where it's leading to next. And it's actually also super ironic that as I hit the two-year mark of journey, I've also decorated this place. And I just finished decorating my Michigan house. And that's when I sold it. I literally a half hour after doing the home tour with Megan, our videographer, that's when the homeowner came and bought the house. Well, I've just finished this place as well. And even in Austin, when I did the home tour for that place I lived in for one year, we packed up and moved to Michigan literally the next day or two later. So it's kind of this interesting evolution. I've noticed that once a home decor is done, something big tends to change. And I'm not sure exactly what that is yet for what's coming next. But when I heard you want a life you never imagined before, I don't think it was just speaking about, oh, you're going to go eventually live in Sydney and you're going to, you know, say good day and you're going to know a lot of different Aussie lingo and all that kind of stuff. I think it was speaking about something more profound and it wasn't just law of attraction and it wasn't just more time, money, freedom in those ways, though that has been amazing and a part of this journey. There's still more. It can't just be more of the same. I think more of what I've never imagined before is coming and I have truly no idea what that looks like. There's a concept uh, I might talk about in a few weeks coming up about singularity, which is this hypothesis that things are coming to a point so far beyond. It goes off the scale. There's no way to measure what's going to happen next. There's no way to hypothesize what the result will be. I actually feel like I'm entering a period of that because I have no idea truly what's beyond the mind, but that's what I'm seeking next to explore. 
So there you guys have it. Thank you so much for following me on this journey. This is kind of a little intro to something I'm going to talk more about in an episode in the weeks to come. But this is just an honest look at where I am right now after having a lot of time to unwind a lot of patterns and stories from the past and look at it all with fresh eyes and to see, like I said, a lot of stories I told or society tells and questioning them and realizing, wow, we don't have to live this way. And more than anything, I hope that I am conveying to you how important it is for you to listen to yourself and your own life experience so that you can experience more of what you truly feel called to share and give and do in this world. Because it's not by looking at me and it's not by looking at Lewis Howes or anyone else out there, Tim Ferriss or Jenna Kutcher. I love them all, but it's not about looking at anyone else. It's about looking in you and asking those questions within you and having the courage to follow and see what unfolds next. I am truly blown away by what's happened. And I'm truly also very curious to see what's next. And all of that's really escalated from the ability to ask the questions and live the unknown and the new. And I think it's one thing that feels very scary to the ego to look at things as unknowns. That's horrifying. You'd much rather stay in a bad relationship the end to the unknown of what's going to happen next, right? Like, it's so weird, but true. Like, we seek the comfort of known versus unknown. But what if we just simply call the unknown new? Our egos usually don't perceive new in a bad way. It's just new. It's not unknown, it's just new. It's the same concept, but it has a positive connotation. The mind likes new things. It likes novelty. It fears the uncertainty, but if we just call uncertainty new, it's kind of like rebranding. And in that way, it might accept it a bit more. So just recognize that when you're listening and you're following these answers you're getting. Actually, the ego hates asking the questions because it's afraid of the answers within itself because then it's going to know the truth. So actually, it usually looks for other people and answers from outside itself to avoid the deepest truth within it. So interesting. But if you just tell the ego, okay, we're just going to find out some new information and we don't have to follow it, but we're just going to find out what's new. That might be a way to get over the ego's resistance to asking the questions in the first place and hearing the answers. And then you get to choose whether to follow it or not. But that might be a way of rebranding it so your ego's a little less scared to ask inside what the deepest truth is for yourself and your next step. If you want to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter, you can do so over at Jesse, as in Celebration Lively. And for show notes for this episode, head over to JessLively.com slash two years. That's the number two and then years. Before I share what I'm up to next, I'd like to talk about today's sponsor of FreshBooks.com. I love using FreshBooks. You guys have probably heard me talk about it. It is bookkeeping software for creatives and I truly love it. I love it as much as my social media. I love it as much as Instagram. It truly feels no more or less fun to be in there. And this is about bookkeeping I'm talking about. I used to hate bookkeeping because really it wasn't the bookkeeping. It was the software I was using that I hated. So I associated that with the experience of bookkeeping. But once I got to FreshBooks, all of that changed. And I'd love to see if it changes for you too. They just make it so pretty and easy and simple. And they are wonderful to work with as well. I've had a few things come up and I call them and before I even get a phone ring, they already answer the phone before it rings. I don't know how they possibly can even do that, but they do. So if you want to try this, you can get a free 30-day trial by going over to freshbooks.com lively. Again, I hope you love it as much as I do. 
Now for what I'm up to next, my new chairs, they have arrived. So excited. And as I said, the decorating, now that the chairs are here, there's just like some pillows for them and some sofa pillows that I need to get. And that's about it. The apartment is for the most part complete. So bizarre and very curious to see what happens next because like I said, big things tend to happen once something comes to a form of completion or a phase of completion. Until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today. Bye.